why. Until then, we need to trust him. Amen? Reminds me uh, to announce, I, I shouldn't announce this till uh, our vision Sunday, which is our watch night service abbreviated on the 30th, because the 31st is on Monday, and so we're not having a watch night service this year, we're having a vision night service, and we're going to have uh, soup and salads and sweets and a lot of scriptural preaching, a couple of sermons, and I'll be introducing our theme, uh, and I'll be preaching on that theme that night, so we're excited about that uh, service, and uh, I was thinking about that psalm, uh, and it's going to be a good psalm for our new year, but our, our theme for next year is with all thine heart. With all thy heart, That's, and it's uh, taken out of Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6, and also out of Deuteronomy about you ought to love the Lord with all your heart, you ought to trust the Lord with all your heart, and then there's another scripture in Deuteronomy, you ought to obey the Lord with all your heart. What's killing the church today is this half-hearted stuff, amen, half-baked, and then what kills us in our walk with God is our half-trust. We have to trust the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not on thine own understanding. And that's going to be the theme for 2019. I was going to rhyme it, but every time I thought I'd serve the king in 2019, looking for the king in 2000, I thought that was cute, but it wasn't on my heart. Amen? What's on my heart is with all thine heart. So I introduced the theme. Y'all got a little preview of it, and I'm excited about this coming year. Chapter 11, Ecclesiastes. We're almost finished. Some of you said, I'll be glad when we are... Not half as glad as I am. This has been the most challenging study I've ever uh, uh, preached on Wednesday night. But I want to tell you something. It's been the most rewarding, I think, because I've learned more and I've been challenged more than I've ever been before on any book study. But uh, uh, Solomon was sometimes hard to figure out. Uh, he had some very unusual sayings here. Uh, like last week was, uh, uh, you know, a bird of the air will carry the voice. You know, a little bird told me. That's where we get the, all these great sayings you think are so colloquial and so humanistic. They came from the Bible, if they're good. Amen. Uh, and uh, there was another one in chap that last chapter about um, uh, something that we, we say all the time. All the time. And it came from the Word of God. It came straight from the Word of God. Amen. Now, not everything comes from the Word of God. Somebody asked me one time, said, where's the wedding vows in the Bible? I said, they're not in the Bible. They said, oh, no, they got to be in the Bible. It's, it's wedding vows in the Bible. I said, there's no wedding vows in the Bible, uh, but we need to make a vow when we, when we have a, a wedding. Amen? But look at uh, chapter 11. I want to uh, uh, try to finish this in a couple of weeks. Maybe uh, I'll let uh, somebody else preach next Wednesday night, but um, I'd like to finish this before the new, new year starts, especially Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Because it talks about getting old. Amen. And uh, some of us can identify with that. Uh, let's say getting older. Amen. And uh, that's a great description of getting older in chapter 12. But we shouldn't get uh, anything but more bold. And we ought to keep the faith. And we ought to get sweeter and not cranky and crumpy and grumpy and all that stuff. You know, a lot of people get old and grumpy. <clears throat> now, Brother Marr does it. He's, he's, he's not that way. He said he didn't make that... Uh, Breakfast Tuesday because he got outvoted. Somebody they tied him to the barn. I think. Amen. He was coming, but I don't blame him. There's a lot of black ice out, uh, and I was going to reschedule it, but Brother Roger was going to be out of town, and I'm sure glad I didn't because he had a message on his heart because he had a broken heart over one of his leaders, treasurer and song leader, 
just walking off and quitting everything. And uh, that breaks your heart. I've been through it a hundred times. It never gets easy. breaks your heart. So uh, pray for Brother Roger. Amen. Been there 10 years on top of the mountain doing a great job. A great job. All right, let's stand on the Word of God. And let's uh, ask us mute all the telephones. I heard my iPad go off a while ago. I don't know why anybody would text me on Wednesday night service except for those liberals over there at Vision that have their service on Thursday night. You know, the Bible says you ought to have service on Wednesday night. That's not in the Bible either, amen? But anyway, let's go to the Lord in prayer. No, let's read this. Cast thy bread upon the waters. I love this verse. For thou shalt find it after many days. What a promise. It says, give a portion to seven and also to eight. For thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. In other words, you ought to diversify your investments. I'm going to show my financial advisor that. I don't know why I have a financial advisor, but anyway, it sounds good. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the trees fall towards the south or towards the north in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. That's great truth, amen. Where it lies, it lies. Hallelujah. Uh, he that observeth the wind shall, uh, shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. As thou knowest not, what is the way of the Spirit, and how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. Now that song goes with that verse. It says, In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thy hand, for thou knowest not whether thou prosperest, whether this or that, or whether thou both shall be alike good. Truly the light is sweet. And a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. Listen to this now. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thy heart and in the sight of thine ears, but know thou that, that, that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh for childhood and youth are vanity. You may be seated. Father, thank you for this great chapter. And especially, Lord, thank you for the ch verse 1 that promises us that if we'll give on, to eternal things, Lord, that it will always pay great dividends. Lord, I believe it pays to serve God. Even though we're not paid to serve God, it pays to serve God. And we thank you, dear God, that the retirement program's out of this world. We thank you, God, for the eternal rewards of being faithful and the eternal rewards for being filled with the Spirit of God to overflowing and being givers and not takers. So, Lord, give us what you want to, us to have out of this chapter. And I want to thank you for the whole book of Ecclesiastes because it sure has added a lot of meaning to my life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, after the service, we'll have a glory class meet on the first three rows um, for an important meeting. We uh, have a uh, class social uh, plan for the exact time that the funeral is on Saturday. So we might have to make some adjustments, or we're going to see how many people are traveling. I know it's on the other side of Marietta, but uh, some of you might be going, so we want to find that out. I appreciate our teacher and his wife and the good work they do in the glory class.
especially the parties. I want to keep on partying until Jesus comes, amen? Because that means we'll keep on eating. That's what this chapter's about. It says, be happy. And I'll be happy in fellowship. Somebody was coming by for counseling today, and Brother Jason uh, shared just the part that, you know, uh, this is not an institution of higher learning. This is a fellowship, and this is a family. And we ought to treat each other like family, and we ought to teach each other like family. In other words, nobody's arrived, including this preacher. And we ought to share our burdens and share our weaknesses, but the fellowship is so important. And we're family. This is the closest family I got. All my family's up in heaven, uh, practically. But uh, thank God for you, and thank God for the fellowship that we have one with another, even during trials. What a great song, Brother Randy. And it goes along with three verses in this chapter. So the Lord led you on that. In March 2012, Atlantic Magazine published an article entitled, The Treasury of a Terribly Sad Stories of the Lotto Winners. The first paragraph states this, if you, We feel if our duty to inform you that actually you really probably don't want to win the lottery. Hmm. That's what all of y'all are dreaming about, I guarantee you that. Uh, it, it, but I hope you don't. It says, even if you think you do, you don't want to win the lottery. Let me tell you why. This article goes on and says that this writing, America has just gone through another lotto fever. In 2012, they had a $1.6 billion jackpot, which is nothing compared to what it is now. And the Atlantic article is just one of the many that detail story about stories of tragic pain of payoff, how the lottery that offered salvation and actually delivers destruction. The tales are filled with betrayal, exploitation, um, thievery, divorce, deficit, drugs, binge living, indebtedness, bad investments, bankruptcy, murder, and suicide. That's from the lottery winners. Why would anybody want to commit suicide when they won $314 million? I'll tell you why. For example, Jack Whittaker, W-H-I-T-T-A-K-E, or Whittaker, of West Virginia won $314 million dollars in 2002. Initially he gave away 50 million building two churches, amen for that, purchasing houses and cars for family and friends. He was indolated with requests for everything from cars to carpet. Even a trip to a baseball game would yield as many as 150 different people approaching him asking him for money. ABC News stated suddenly the man who won a fortune at Christmas had become everybody's Santa Claus. In short, uh, 17 in short, things, uh, things changed. He was pursued legally by 400 claims. Spent more than $3 million defending himself. Uh, he was robbed several times. He began drinking to salve his loneliness and his friendless heart. And much of his money was lost at gambling. His daughter was found dead from a drug overdose. His granddaughter was later found dead from drug-related associations. In an interview with ABC News, Jack said, since I won the lottery, I think there is no control for greed. I think if you have, uh, have something, there's always someone else that wants it. I wish I'd have tore that ticket up. $314 million, he wish he'd tore the ticket up. He later states, I don't know where it, 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 it'll end, but you know, I just don't like Jack Whittaker. I don't like the hard heart that I've acquired. I don't like what I've become. Sounds a lot like Solomon in this chapter. He began to turn his back on the Lord, and early in the book he said he was drowning in his riches, but under the sun it was all emptiness. 
vanity. And so he's changed. Chapter 11 is a definite change. Why the tone? Why the change? Life is short. He said death is certain. Oppression and justice are rampant. Wealth still does not, uh, does not satisfy. Wisdom is still incomprehensible and judgment is still coming. He said all through this book, vanity of vanities, nothing under the sun satisfies. But I want you to see in chapter 11, Solomon reveals uh, to us a very different philosophy of life. And a lot of this Ecclesiastes is Christian philosophy. And it's humanistic philosophy gone wrong. Because Solomon thought if he had it, he'd be happy. And folks, you'll never be happy until you're holy. And you'll never be happy until you're a giver. And this is proven in this, this chapter. The values that burst forth from this word will change your life if you'll let it. And I want you to see that um, he had a few thoughts about life. I could title this message, Living is Giving. Living is Giving. God did not call you to be happy. God called you to be holy. God did not call you to be aquarium. God called you to be a vessel. God did not call you to be a reservoir, but God called you to be an overflowing fountain of God's blessing to you. God blessed you for you to be a blessing. He didn't bless you just so you could be blessed and be happy. For there's a lot of philosophy today, especially in the contemporary movement. I won't preach much against that because I ain't got time. But I want to tell you something, friend. It's almost like anything to make me happy, anything to entertain me, and it's so pragmatistic. That means grow no matter what the cost and don't worry about any standards, any conviction, any hard preaching, any uh, preaching against sin. Just let's have a good time. And that's the philosophy of the world in the last day, the Laodicean church, the people-led church. It's the congregation becomes sovereign and God's not sovereign. The preacher's not a leader, he's a puppet. And he, and he, and he uh, takes a survey on what to preach. Can you imagine Moses going door to door saying, what should I preach when I go up on that mountain? What should I bring down from God? No, he brought the Ten Commandments, and there weren't ten suggestions, amen? There were ten commandments. And I want you to see, first of all, life is an investment. Look at verse 1 and 2. It says, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Folks, that's one of the most popular verses in the book of Ecclesiastes. It says, Give a portion to seven, also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. Now, folks, I'll just tell you this. The cast means to invest. The cast, the word, is a strong word that means commit. Commit thy bread upon the water. That means you ought to give your life to eternal values. Can I repeat that one more time? You need to give your life to eternal values. I was thinking about Mr. Dennis and the reputation and character that he had as a great deacon and as a godly man and a lover of the church and a lover of his wife and a lover of his family. Folks, that's the values that count. It don't matter how much money he had or what neighborhood he lived in or how many home runs he hit when he was a little leaguer. I'm going to tell you something. What counted is what he did for God. Amen. And he'll be remembered and that'll be an eternal investment that'll go on and live through his through his children and his grandchildren. And folks, that's the way I want to go. Amen. I want to, be, I want to leave here being remembered that I invested my life in the work of God. That I invested my life in you. That I invested my life in others and not in my own bloomed little selfish ego realm of being. And that's what a lot of people live for. Me, myself, and I. 
I talked to a fellow today and he was telling me, giving me a report on a dear friend of mine that's in jail and, and he had every opportunity in the world, every opportunity in the world, and now he's facing so many years in prison because he just said, I don't have to give account, I don't have to keep the rules, and I don't have to appreciate what God did in my life. And I want to tell you something, friend, there is a repercussion of living unwisely. You will reap the whirlwind if you sow to the wind. Can somebody say amen? And you've seen it in children and grandchildren and neighbors and relatives. You've seen the life that they're reaping. And they're so miserable. So life is an investment. And in verse 2 it even says you ought to diversify. But I believe that, folks, you ought to put all your eggs in one basket, and that's God's basket. Amen? Now I believe, you know, in the physical realm, yes, some eight, some seven, for it's evils upon thee. And don't, but hey, let's don't put all your... And I believe this is a warning in verse 2. Don't put all your eggs in the economy of this world. Don't put all your investments in the things of this world. You don't know which way this world's going to go. I mean, we change presidents and the market goes crazy. Amen? We have, we have somebody get fired from the cabinet and the whole thing goes berserk. You know, it's, it's amazing, you know? Uh, praise God, somebody runs over a gas pump and the gas goes up 20, 20 cents a gallon. It's a crazy world we live in. And if you want to go live by those unstable uh, parameters of being, go ahead and do it. But I want to tell you what you ought to do. You ought to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That takes the worry and stress out of life. But folks, it's hard to get people to realize that you need to give your life away to get life. You need to give up on your life and give, give in your life to Him. You need to fulfill the very intended purpose, cast. Cast your bread upon the waters. That means, friend, for that sh thou shalt find it after many days. It's like a picture of casting something in the ocean. It comes back to you, manifold, with a whale in it or something. Amen? And folks, listen, giving is what makes you effective, joyful, and abundant. You can't keep your life, so why don't you lose it effectively and purposely? Amen? Jim Elliott said this, right before he went to the Indians that ate him, him and five other people in a plane landed after dropping off several supplies and trying to be their friend and trying to communicate to them. They landed on a cannibal island and um, outside of Ecuador or somewhere, or in Ecuador, and... Um, before he went there, he said this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Brother Mark, I still got insulation down my throat. Uh, we're, we're delegating that to somebody else, by the way. Amen. Y'all just go ahead and do that ceiling yourself. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's rough. But uh, he, he said this. He is no fool who loses what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's right before he died. That's right before he gave his life. And then Elizabeth Elliot went to that same island and won his murderers that had him for supper, pardon the triteness, to the Lord. Won him to the Lord. All the wives stayed there. They didn't get bitter. They didn't go home. Why? They knew that their husband's investment was for eternity and they gladly gave their life. Folks, let me just put it this way. Verse 1 and 2 says this. The eternal returns of being a good steward of life is out of this world. The eternal returns for being a good steward of life is out of this world. The Bible's called you to be good stewards. You know what that means? 
manager. I used to call it caretaker, but that sounds too morbid. You're a manager of the greatest gift on this earth, salvation plus life, which is life. He that hath the Son hath life, he that hath not the Son of God hath life. Look at a couple of verses that um, Solomon wrote probably earlier. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Psalm of Solomon. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 24 through 26. Well, I'm sure you're excited about that theme for 2019. I shouldn't have gave it out so early. My goodness, y'all will get over it before we get going. 2019. It's going to be a good year. How many believe that? Say amen. The rest of you, I feel sorry for you. Uh, you determined it to be a bad one. Thank you, brother. I needed that. Got a scratchy throat. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, please. 11.24, we won't be long tonight. The Bible says this, There is he that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is he that withholdeth more than his meat, but it tendeth to poverty. Poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat. That's not physical fatness. All you fat people say amen right there, amen. <laughs> nobody's looking up and nobody's smiling on that comment, Amen. Somebody told me the other day, he said, I think you're bigger than you've ever been before. And I said, well, thank you very much. I said, you lose 20, I'll lose 20. So me and Chris Lumpkin's got a deal. He, he worked so hard he didn't even show up for church. But anyway, uh, uh, we're going to see who loses 20 pounds first. But anyway, that's a long story made short. But that fat means spiritually. Happy. Amen. There is he that scattered yet increases. There is he that withholdeth more than meat. But it tended to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat. And he that waters shall water also himself. You know what that's saying? Give and it shall be given to you. What's that verse? Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Now this is not let's make a deal. This is just the deal. God said he'll bless you. That's why missions are so very important. Two months old, we took on Terry Burcham. And I'm going to tell you something. I had people tell me, that we were crazy. I had a couple of people leave the church. They said, why are you in metal chairs in an upstairs haunted house made a holy house and you're going to support missionaries? I said, yes, sir. And that's what God's going to do through this church. Because we're not disinterested in building a church in Dalton. We want to build churches around the world. Amen. I didn't know my wife, I didn't know my uh, uh, little girl was going to uh, marry, marry a missionary and and, and I didn't know so many missionaries were going to come through here. And tomorrow i got to drive all the way to Braslin and be part of a mission board, which uh, is a long drive to be on a board. But, uh, you know, we, we're, we're touching the world through this church. And it's, high, it's great dividends. There's a lot of souls being saved. But look at Luke 6.38. That's what he promises. Luke 6.38. The Bible says this. I'll try to stay more on track. Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together. Running over shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that ye meet, we're all it shall be measured to you again. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. That's the truth. You ought to prove God. The Bible says if you'll tithe, He'll pour out the windows of heaven. He'll, he'll rebuke the devourer for you. He'll keep the devil off your back. That's a promise. Malachi chapter 3, read it. 10 through the end of the chapter. Or 9 through the end of the chapter. We ought to live to give. 
We ought to be generous not only monetarily, but in every other way. Our time. Folks, it's, it, listen. Just to see the smiles of those children, but also see the conviction wrought on those uh, parents' face when those children got up and sang, not jingle bells, but sang some tremendous, deep, meaning songs, godly music behind it, not some rock and roll junk that some of y'all had to listen to Sunday night. Thank God for every hour that was spent training those children to sing. Thank God for every mile that you had to drive Miss Stephanie up there to get the chicken. Thank God uh, for the macaroni and cheese that I ate for the first time in my life, Brother Travis. Your wife was so excited about that. I don't know why. Because I liked it, I guess. Amen? I like anything at my age. Praise God. No, I didn't mean that. That didn't sound good. Thank God for every gift that was wrapped. Thank God for every t- tree that was decorated Miss Janet. Thank God for every table cloth that was put on. Thank God for every chair that was set up and every table that was drugged back into that room. Why? Because a lady got saved. And folks, you can work yourself to your uh, tired of working and not accomplish a thing in this world. Now don't all go quit your jobs and join the ministry tomorrow. And I thank God for you being good, faithful workers. And some of you got the reputation of being the best worker on your job. I won't tell you what the others got a reputation of being. But anyway, thank God for you. Uh, even you retired people worked hard. That's wonderful. But folks, listen, we work for Jesus. Give our time. Then give our talents. Give our talents. I've never enjoyed our music more in my life than now. I mean, the choir, the orchestra, the pianist, the organist, they do such a wonderful job. Amen? Uh, and, and thank God for every one of them using their talent. I wish I could play something. I play the radio and get static. They do this hand-free driving stuff, and I get myself on this FM channel, and I keep getting this country yokel junk coming in on it, and I'm trying to listen to the Clark family, amen, and get phone calls and be high, highfalutin, hands-off driving. Can't even work that little thing in the cigarette lighter. The only thing good a cigarette lighter is good for is charge your phone, say amen. All you smokers say, oh me. But anyway, folks, listen, we ought to live to give. We're not living to get. Cast your bread upon the water. It's the only thing that counts. Only what's done for Christ will last. So give to Jesus all your days. For it only, listen, 10,000 years from now, only thing that's going to count is you, you was here tonight. The only thing that's going to count is you worshiped God and not man tonight. The only thing that's going to count is those people teaching those children up there. The only thing that's going to count. You go shop all night long till you drop. It won't count for anything, especially if you say a fat man in a red suit brings it. Now I'm going to really get ugly. Don't lie to your children. Because they might not believe the rest of the story. Amen? Oh, it's just a little good. I just don't, I believe you ought to tell the truth all the time. Whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. Amen? But I want to tell you why you ought to give at Christmas. Because he gave his life. And he was born on this world. And I'm not a Scrooge. I'm not taking Christmas away from you. I'm trying to magnify the Christ of the Christmas. He was born to give his life a ransom. This is a precious time of the year. I love it. I, I, I'm for it. 
I know some people that were against Christmas decorations, and as soon as we put them up, they left for a month. They're gone for good now, I guess. I mean, I tried to get them back. Here I go. I try to get everybody back. But folks, that's ridiculous. Because I want to tell you something. The spirit of Christmas is Christ. But I want to tell you what the spirit of Christ is. The Holy Spirit that gives. You need to give. You need to be more, you need to be more excited about giving than you are getting. It took me 60 years to get that. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, boy, I hope I get this. I hope I get this. Boy, I hope I get this. And I was the world's worst about returning everything. That's an insult, isn't it? I should have just sucked it up and wore those pants that was three sizes little. But no, I, I had to take them back. And I didn't even like them anyway. So I got another color. And folks, we're all about us at Christmas. Amen. Come on. But I want to tell you something. It's all about giving, giving God the glory. Our whole life should be engaged in personal discipleship. I want to tell you what you ought to do. You ought to give your time to some young person in this church and disciple them by example and by letting them catch your spirit. That means spend time with them. That means take them out to lunch on Sunday or Monday. That means inviting them home for a Sunday afternoon time. But see, you ain't going to give up your nap for that, praise God. And you ain't going to give up the Falcons. Why would you waste your time watching the Falcons when you could disciple? Come on, four and two or four... Uh, four and ten or whatever. Amen. Discipleship is giving your life to be caught. It's one-on-one. -on -one. I saw the day, and, I, and Brother Cody, please play that video Sunday of the kitchen and all those sandwiches and how excited they were. And then they went into the kitchen, and there was one-on-one -on -one time in the kitchen uh, or in the, in the dining room of, the, of those kids being discipled at the table. Isn't that wonderful? 80-something campers. They had more campers than beds this week. Amen. Somebody's sleeping on the floor. Or somebody's doubling up, and that's no problem for them because they usually have about 20 people in one, one little old hut. So a bed of their own would be a luxury for some of these kids. And you'll have a part of it if you'll give. But that's not what this message is about. Not no Christmas offering. It's the offering of your life. Hey, give your life to your career and you'll probably get fired. Amen. Let me just say it real straight. Give your life to your work and you'll probably get a divorce. Because she'll never see you and you'll never see him and y'all will grow apart. But you'll have plenty of money to split. Yeah. Money don't buy love. And money doesn't buy, uh, buy anything worth having. Folks, what is worth having is God's blessing on your life. Cast your bread upon the water. When I came here in 1977, November, surveyed this town on the day after Thanksgiving, my own parents thought I'd lost my mind. They thought I was crazy. They didn't say it, but I could see it in their eyes. What are you doing? We trained you. We, we paid, helped you pay for your Georgia State University degree. You're supposed to be a rich businessman. And I said, Mom, Dad, God called me. And I finally, they said, okay, we'll just wait and see. And I hope they're in heaven tonight saying, boy, it was worth it. 
because I could be a rich guy in the General Electric Appliance Company executive branch and be totally ruined and totally unhappy. Totally divorced, totally out of the will of God, totally a wreck. Aren't you glad you're in the will of God tonight? Cast your bread upon the water. Let me hurry. Got four more points. Number two, life is predictably unpredictable. Life, live with courage. The first point was live to give. But the second point, and this is what goes along with that beautiful song, Brother Randy, live with courage. Look at verse 3. And when he, he, when you hear, hear when you hear, I've got, I need new glasses. Matter of fact, these are 10 years old. My other one's broke. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they can't, oh, I'm in Luke, praise God. That, that was good too, amen. Three, if the clouds be full of rain. Now I'm back on track, amen, praise God. We're going to be clouds for a second. If the clouds be, I thought it was these glasses, amen. If the clouds be, if the clouds be full of rain. How many of y'all made a mistake while you're up here? Raise your hand. Okay, all right. Don't you laugh at me. It's, if the clouds be full of the rain. They empty themselves. This is illustration. They empty themselves upon the earth. What a purpose a cloud has. And if the tree fall towards the south or towards the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. Folks, water illustration here. Ocean to clouds, clouds to ground, Ground uh, to the rivers, rivers back to the ocean. What I'm saying is this. The clouds are blessed to be a blessing. And the clouds overcome uh, themselves with moisture from the ocean and water the earth. And then the earth brings the erosion or whatever to the, to the rivers and the rivers goes back to the ocean. It's just one big, great, beautiful cycle of nature. Well, here's the cycle of grace. Give. And God will give to you to give. If you leave off that last give, you're going to be a selfish, broke person the rest of your life. I'm not talking about monetary. I'm talking about spiritually. Give to get to give. You need to learn how to get in the Christian life to give. God wants to use you as a vessel. That's why selfish people are suicidal. Selfish people are miserable. Selfish, hoarding Hindering people are most miserable out of the will of God. But people that are in the will of God giving, it's like a tree that falls and dies to the ground, but fertilizes the ground. There's a cycle. He looked at the water, the clouds. He looks at the tree and water. They don't hoard what they have. They give and come back with more to give. The moment you begin to hoard and withhold, you break the grace cycle. You're blessed to be a blessing. You invest your life for eternity. Uh, beware, beware of covetousness. Beware of selfishness. Mark chapter 12, verse 43 and 44 talks about the widow's might. We'll get to that later. But folks, number three, life is dependent. Be faith-filled. Look at verse 5. As thou knowest not what is in the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God, 
who maketh all. Psalms warning us against living by math instead of living by faith. We're not calculators. We're believers. We ought to calculate that God is able. And we ought to live by faith. Just as a mother loves a child that grows within her womb, so you should love the joy and delight in what God is growing in you and through you as you give. In His hands, the giving away life becomes a magnificent thing of beauty and abundant harvest. God's saying, don't do the math. Just obey the principle. Don't figure out what you can give. Just faith it out. And I'm not talking about monetary again. I'm not talking about faith promise again. I'm talking about your life, your time, your worship, your adoration, your priorities. Why is it so hard to get people to be faithful in church? It ought to be your life. And you say, well, I think family ought to come first. I want to tell you something. Your family wouldn't be together if it wasn't for God. And your family probably wouldn't be together if it wasn't for this church. I'll say that. Preaching keeps you together. Hey, teaching fortifies the heart. And, and, and teaching mortifies the deeds of the flesh. The Word of God purges and produces fruit. And then number four, life is rewarding, keep giving. Look at verse six. Life is rewarding, keep giving. Verse six. It says, In the morning sow the seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether thou, thou shalt prosper, neither uh, either this or that, or whether they... Both shall be alike good. Folks, listen, life is rewarding. Generosity should be an enduring value. And if you're in the morning stage of your life, like you're a teenager, good night. I can't remember being a teenager. I had bell bottoms and long curly hair when I was a teenager. I had a three-speed three uh, duster that ran like a demon. And the Plymouths did call them demons. And it was a, a Plymouth duster, praise God. And the Dodge had a demon, and I had a Plymouth duster. And it was metallic blue, and I thought I was God's gift to the women and everybody else. And that was crazy. I'm, God, I'm glad God spared me through my teenage years. But folks, don't just be energetic in your teenage years. In the night season, you ought to be faithful, morning or evening. For the Bible says, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. Hey, don't retire, refire. Amen? That's hard to retire your job, but you should never retire your ministry for the Lord. Amen? I mean, if God's given you some time, spend it for God. Use it for Him. It's eternal. It's eternal. Life is short, be delighted. Is number four, five. Life is short, be delighted. Look at verse seven, eight. It says, True, the light is sweet and a pleasant thing. It is, it is eyes to the behold the sun. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, Yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. Folks, in the light of the brevity of life, give with eternal values. Don't stop giving when things are bad. Don't start, stop working. It's amazing how people have a death in their family. They blame God and quit church. They get bitter. You ought to get better. A death ought to shake you up that you're going to die one day. A death ought to shake you up when it's a murder, saying, hey, this world's wicked. I need to go to the haven of rest. I need to be in the will of God even more. Folks, listen, you can't be a cloud forever. Water some great field. 
sustain some great city. Again, the metaphor here of a cloud. Folks, listen, a cloud's not there to be admired and to exist. It's to water. That's what he said, a water, a tree. Trees to be fruitful. One day when the sun sets in your life, it'll never set on the seeds that you sowed. I ought to write that down and put it on Facebook, praise God. Amen. I ought to put that in big, bold letters with a pink background. Yeah, I'll say it again. You can be assured when, listen, one day when the sun sets on your life, you can be assured it will continue to rise on the seeds that were sown. And your harvest will follow long after you've gone. That's why I'm so proud of my children, spiritually speaking. So thankful. For Jason's faithfulness and Rebecca's and all my kids. Stephanie was posting today that she went to trial with one of the little foster kids she's keeping. It was so sad and so, so horrible what that mother was doing to that child that she was taking care of and that she loved so much. And then the lawyer said, I want you to come to my office. She said, oh no, more bad news. And the lawyer and all his staff took up took up gifts for the two foster kids that Stephanie was keeping. And she put, she put at the end of a terrible day of trials and court dates for my little kiddos, I see a ray of love even from a lawyer. Hope he don't read that. Thank God, folks, listen. That giving touched my daughter's life. But you know what? Her giving touched those two kids' lives. Amen? Hey, listen. I'm getting into this thing about adoption. Do you realize that this past Sunday, Tyler conducted the Lord's Supper at Vision Baptist Church, and everybody was saying you did such a wonderful, humble job of doing the Lord's Supper. This is going to be a missionary to Thailand. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When he was 11 years old, his mother OD'd, and he was on the verge of becoming a rebellious drug addict himself. He could have. And God spared him because a crazy guy named Mark says, we're taking them. And we're going to take them all the way to Africa with us. I said, you're going to do what? He says, yep, we're taking two more. They're teenagers. I said, hallelujah, Amy, hold on for the ride. And look what's happened. Chase is coming home, graduating in January. And he's studying to be a missionary at Vision Baptist Church. A missionary. There's two missionaries coming out of that family. Because somebody took them off the streets. When mama, untimely death, caused her to pass off. Folks, give. It'll last a lot longer than you last. Give. Give. Well, Randy, I look at Ashley and her smiling face around here and Loving church. Where would she be if you didn't take her? Where would she be? I'll tell you where she'd be. She'd be tossed to and fro of every wind of doctrine and everything in the world. Folks, we Christians need to start giving. One day the sun will set on your life. But be assured it will never set on the seeds that you sow. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. But it also goes on the positive side, sow bountifully and you'll reap 
balances. Get busy investing your life. Life is short. Be delighted in the opportunities God gives you. Don't go around trying to be delighted. Because you're going to end up being not lighted. You'll have a bland life if you don't learn to give. Number six. Verse 9 through 10, life for Jesus, get ready and rejoice. Look at verse 9, rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, there's that thine heart again, and in the sight of thine eyes, but God, but, but know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh for childhood and youth are vanity. It says grow up. Be mature spiritually. Life is fun, but life is much more than fun. It's an adventure of faith. Enjoy it. Be good stewards while you do it. Cherish it, but plan it. Savor it, but invest it. It all ends at Jesus' feet. and Your Creator has placed you here for a short time. Even if you live to be 105. Short time compared to eternity. You'll give account of your stewardship. That's right. Don't give account of how happy you were. But your stewardship. Grace is the greatest act of giving. You can ever think about. I got three minutes, so I'm going to close with this thought. Grace is God's undeserved favor, giving. Let me put it this way Grace is God's generosity. He gave His only begotten Son, and it's poured on you, it's poured in you. And that grace should be poured on others. Amen? One more verse. 1 Peter 4.10 I was going to 2 Corinthians 9.8 but y'all got it memorized. 2 Corinthians 9.8 y'all got it memorized. But look at 1 Peter. And I want you to look at verse chapter 4 and verse 10 please. And we'll close. Grace. Don't you love the songs about grace? Grace. God's wonderful grace. Grace, grace, wonderful grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But look at this. Why did God grace you? Verse 10. But the God of all grace who has called us into eternal glory. We can stop right there and shout. How? By Christ Jesus. After that you have suffered a while, Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Perfect means mature, fruit-bearing. A perfect tree is a tree that's grown to its fruition. It's bearing fruit. But then you establish yourself and you strengthen yourself. You settle yourself. Why? Because, friend, God wants you to bestow His grace upon a lost and dying world 
and you need to be a giver. A giver of your time, your talents, your treasures to see precious souls saved, sanctified, and satisfied with Jesus because they see the grace in you. It's not about getting. It's about giving. Let's go back to that first verse of that chapter. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Folks, I want to tell you something. You might not know what fruit comes from your giving until you get to heaven one day. You might not see it on this life. Mueller prayed for his friends for 75 years and never got saved until he died. I think they got saved at his funeral. But look at this. It says, For thou shalt find it after many days. Father, thank you for this chapter. Lord, we just want to be a cloud. We want to pour out the blessings of God upon some starving desert of a soul. God, we just want to be a cloud. We want to pour out the blessings of some faithful farmer that's praying for rain that the seed might come up. God, help us to realize this chapter is talking about living. But folks, this chapter emphasizes that living is by giving.